Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I have a fun little episode. I haven't covered a little house on the Prairie episode in quite a while, and I thought, you know what, it's October, and one that, it's not really scary, and it's not really, it doesn't take place around Halloween, but I like the episode. It's from season six, it's episode 14, entitled... The Werewolf of Walnut Grove. This episode aired right around the new year, January 7th, 1980. In this episode, school bully Bart begins menacing his classmates, especially Albert. Tired of the constant harassment, Albert Albert creates a papier-mâché werewolf mask. Okay, who wrote this? Because he certainly did not create a papier-mâché werewolf mask. It's all done with, like, it's like black shoe polish or, or something like that. So, whoever wrote this, Brian Rathjen... You need to go back and watch the episode again, because that is not. Paper mache does play, take place. This is a assignment that the kids are given by Miss Wilder, played by, you know, Eliza Jane Wilder, not Laura Ingalls Wilder, because she is still 15 in season six. She and Almanzo have not, he hasn't noticed her yet until the episode Sweet 16, which is, right towards the end of season six. Right now, she's got big-time girl crush on him, which I can't blame her. He is a hottie patati. So let me uh, finish reading this. Albert creates a papier-mâché werewolf mask to terrorize Bart into ceasing his bullying behavior. It works until Carrie opens her mouth. Exclamation point. Exactly. Carrie, you ruin everything, girly. But then again, she didn't. Never mind, never mind. Um, It takes a joint effort by all of Bart's classmates to make him stop bullying. Here's a little deeper. This one's by a different uh, email address. A new boy who comes to town named Bart picks on everybody in school. Later he goes after, after Albert and Almanzo... Almanzo stands up for him. When Bart's father learns of what happened, he blames the whole thing on Miss Wilder and says if she can't control things, he will ask for a new teacher to be placed. Does that, guy, that guy's new in town, seriously? He does not have the authority to make that decision. You can suggest it, but I'll get to that, guys. I will get to that. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be very harsh on uh, this Bart guy. I'm gonna, I'm no old Bart, basically. Because I don't like this dude. Which means that if she leaves, so will Amonzo, which doesn't make Laura happy. The kids decide to pull a prank on Bart, hoping to get him to behave. These descriptions are literally all over the place. <laughs> I mean, from both of them, you can kind of, kind of garner a, a plot synopsis out of both of them um if you guys got prime amazon prime you can watch all the seasons of little house on the prairie this episode on imdb has a 7.6 rating out of 10 let's see here where's that guy where's that guy bartholomew bart slater jr 
played by Todd Thompson. This guy looks so creepy. He was in the Green Mile? Okay, he must have been one of the guards I didn't notice. All right, let's see what what else. This guy's only been in 18 things. He's directed eight, uh, 17 things. He's written 15 things and direct, wait, uh, produced 18. Good for him. Oh, he's in something called Bolden in 2019 as Spectator 1. All right, Nashville, back, uh, backstage VIP. Uh, I didn't watch... He was a baker slash driver one in a couple episodes of Dustin's Creek. So he's really, he's pretty much just getting bit parts. Um, he was a prison guard uncredited in the Green Mile. He was 21, number 21, Mud Dogs uncredited. A lot of uncredited stuff. Like, what's up with that? A lot of these are uncredited. He was, um... In an episode of Mama's Family, I think when they go on Family Feud, he plays Binky Van Cortland. <sighs> Who thought up that name? I will never know. But that, that's basically the gist of what this guy's done. This episode was directed by William F. Claxton, writers Blan Blanche Hanalis, creator Laura Ingalls Wilder, based upon, <coughs> excuse me, the book series of book. Upon the series of books by uh, Little House and John T. Dugan. Oh, um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Trivia first. Okay, let's do this. Also, possibly a tongue-in-cheek reference to one of Michael Landon's first films, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, in 1957. All right, cool, cool. The poem that Bartholomew chanted at the Wilder door about lousy Lizzie Jane came from Laura Ingalls Wilder's book, Little Town on the Prairie. It is in chapter 15 called The School Board's Visit. Okay. The actor of Todd Thompson that is credited as Bartholomew Slater is incorrect. The actor listed, even though they share a name, is an entirely different person. Also, the actor's date of birth is listed as 1971, which would have only made him eight or nine years old when this episode was made. The actor portraying Bart is easily between 17 to 20 years old. This episode is similar to season three episode Bully Boys. Towards the end of the episode, the children came together to fight a bully. It changed the behavior. The same thing happens in this episode afterwards. The bully prompts, excuse me, excuse me. I've seen Bully Boys. Do not compare those two adults and that child to this one Bartholomew. Granted, Bartholomew was a big time jerk pain in the ass. Guys, you know this is an unclean. It's a explicit podcast. So I'm just, I'm going to rail off my fe uh, feelings and thoughts. Um, no, the bully boys, the true grown adults almost s sexually assault Caroline when she's taking eggs to Mrs. Olson. And they both come up on her, and they even, like, one of them, like, touches her face and grabs her arm. And it's just, finally, she she gets away from them, just takes off running. It's like, oh my gosh. And then they're talking smut to Charles, like, oh, your wife's really pretty and everything like that. And it's just, they cause such a ruckus that... Finally, in church, Reverend Alden, which is, yeah, it's a little out of character for him. But the whole town drives them. Like, you will leave today. Forget your stuff. All three of you are out of here. 
we don't want you in our town anymore, which I, I know this is not about the bully boys, but it just irritates me that somebody, I mean, I get similarities, bullies, that's about as far as the similarities go, but, and what, that young kid, punching Mary in the face? Really? And then the two older brothers, if you want to call them those adults, beat the shit out of Charles when he goes to confront them about the fact that they laid their hands on Caroline. I'd be pissed. Oh my god, that that is a rough, ugh, that, that makes your blood boil, that episode, but so does this one. This one ir really irritates me, but Bully Boys boils my blood. Alright, we got some reviews. 7 out of 10. Pay no attention to that boy behind the makeup. <laughs> this is from March 29, 2012. This is the story of Bart Slater, a real problem child. After being kicked out of countless other schools, he would be attending the one in Walnut Grove. And he made quite an impression on his first day. After claiming a desk, desk, desk. Guys, they're sitting in the pews that you sit in when you go to church. When they go, because it also the schoolhouse doubles as the church. Don't tell me that's a desk. Because it's not a desk. Okay. Um. Da, 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 da. Yeah, this guy's clearly got problems because he's been kicked out of countless schools because he's a bully. He, oof. So after claiming a desk as his own and pushing the other kid out, Bart sat back as Miss Wilder began teaching the kids about what effects a full moon can have on people's brains, hence the term lunatic, and even mentions the origins of the werewolf. She shows the class the book Werewolf, written by the same guy who wrote Onward Christian Soldiers, that song they sing in every church scene. After that, Clarence shows off his talents in paper mache, and when Bart is asked to help in the demonstration, he makes a real mess, particularly of Clarence. However, when he is ordered to apologize to the boy, Bart offers him a dollar to make some paper mache animals for him. After school, Bart harassed Laura. Okay, they're... Whoa! They are going through the whole episode, guys. I am... Ooh, that's... <laughs> um... How long are some of these? Um, this one just isn't nearly as... Um, 8 out of 10 bullying... June 12th, 2019. It's astonishing how this school taught so much tolerance of bullying in school. Um, I'm going to wait on this other one. It's a 10 out of 10, The Truth About Albert. Well, wait, wasn't that other one called The Truth About? Oh, pay no attention to that boy behind the makeup. Okay. Yeah, the one about the boy behind the makeup is hugely long. Tell us the entire episode in very um, specific detail. And that's what I'm doing with the episode, guys. That's my job. So, um, I will read the other, the truth about Albert. I'll read that after I'm done with the review. So, like I said, let's go into it. Um, I don't r research any of the stuff on the show as far as so much the time period, certain things that are used. If you guys are looking for a more in-depth, historically semi-accurate, and also a funny, love this podcast, guys, it's really the best Little House on the Prairie podcast out there. There's maybe a couple others really that are mm, don't really do too much, but Walnut Grove cast is where it's at. You guys, you want your Little House feel? They don't go in order. They don't go in season. They they jump around, which 
Crossing the Prairie is nine seasons long, guys. No one's going straight through seasons like that. And that's what I like doing with some of my other podcasts is I'm jumping from one episode to another, like the Full House podcast. I'm keeping it fresh by doing that, coming up with themes, a lot of that stuff. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode because... I really like it. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna rag on that Bart man. I'm gonna Bart man. <laughs> I'm gonna rag on him. <laughs> All right. So we open up the episode on this new family, the Slater family, complete with Ma, Paul, and of course teenager Bartholomew Slater, who whether he's supposed to be 15, 16 on the show. This guy looks like he's at least 22 years old. He looks like somebody who got held back a couple times and should technically be, like, in college. Not to mention just this this Bartholomew guy. He's a big, beefy, blonde-haired guy. He looks like, if he wasn't so hulking and menacing, I'd say you could be a California surfer if you lost that bulk. Otherwise, I put him more on the end of this guy definitely is either a football player or a wrestler. So the Slater family, I guess they've come from Wisconsin. The guy had a, he's planning on building a big farm here in Walnut Grove. He wants to build a ginormous silo. He plans on having a big farm with a lot of animals. You guys know we never see them again, right? Uh, on the show. They're one of those families. And there are many families that come to Walnut Grove for an episode. Boom. Gone. Never seen. Never mentioned. It's almost like they never existed. They basically fall into that little house on the prairie, Twilight Zone, fourth dimension. This family, clearly, they got money. And just how they dress is just like they appear to have money. Big time. Um, dad, Bart Sr., is just calling Bartholomew, like, boy, get out here, time to go to school. And, of course, he comes out, big, hulking, blonde-haired guy, like I said, football, wrestler, could be a surfer if he lost the bulk. Anyway, he's definitely, I mean, this episode was 1980, so you're just... 70s are done, but the 70s hairstyles are sticking like glue. He comes out, Bartholomew does, dressed in a three-piece suit and one of those Colonel Sanders black thread ties. And he's like, Ma, why do I gotta wear a sissy suit? And she's like, well, it's your first day of school, dear. I want you to make a good impression. And I'm like, okay, first of all, he could go to school dressed in a potato sack, and he's still going to come off as very menacing, but there's another word I'm trying to think of, like, it, like the type of look that makes others feel inferior to you or frightened, and I can't, I know there's a word, uh, I think it starts with an I. Uh, I'm racking my brain to think about it. If it comes to me, eventually... Or, okay, imposing. Something like that. Like, um... 
someone who knows that they hold all the cards or they have all the power and they can use that against people just based on their size and their attitude alone. So Bart, of course, Bartholomew, of course, is going to his dad and like, look, why do I gotta go to school? Why can't I stay here and work the form like you? And, or with you? And his dad's like, look, for the hundredth time, it's what your mother wants. Now please, get on to school. I'm not going to tell you again. You know what, kid? Great that you hate school. I get it. I don't know any kid that likes school. I definitely didn't like school. You know, back on the, in this time period, you could, if you were a guy, you got to skip out on some school because you were helping with a harvest. I don't think that kind of thing would float nowadays, and it surely didn't float back in the 90s when I was in high school, late 90s. And wife, Bart's parents are really at odds with each other, as in it's what the mother wants is him to finish school if he's going to eventually take over his father's farm. And she even brings up to her husband, are you going to talk to him about his attitude? And the dad's like, no, I'm not. Schooling's your idea. You take care of it. I have a farm to run. So clearly based on talking about his attitude i don't know if we maybe later on we will hear whether or not he's been kicked out of schools but clearly the attitude is a problem mouthing off to mom mouthing off to dad you know he's not going to have any respect for authority at all once he gets to walnut grove and eliza jane she may be tough but she is fair if you listen to her but however yes yeah, she does come off as an old school mom however Bartholomew could blow her over like a feather. He could easily take advantage of the situation and work it to his... Granted, she's not going to back down, but we'll get into that. The way that the, the Ingalls family is kind of tied into this is we got Charles actually helping unload the lumber to help build this giant barn, and they're going to build a ginormous silo for this guy. Of course, you got to keep the feed in there for the animals or whatever. Okay, we get it right out the gate. Here we go. As uh, she's gonna take her son to school, she's like, I don't want you getting thrown out of this school. And she tells him to mind his manners and behave himself. Yeah, cause that telling him to do that is gonna work. I don't think so. So I, so he's been thrown out of these schools, no question. The father has not gone down there and said, Hey, my boy needs to stay here, work with him, or you do what you have to do, cause you're the teacher. You take care of the situation. Because now that they're in Walnut Grove, the guy's going to go straight to blaming Miss Wilder. And I'm just curious, did he pull that crap with the other schools? I don't think so. Because they just said, enough with you. We got complaints from parents, we got complaints from the kids and the teachers. We don't want you here anymore. Straight out the gate, Eliza Jane, and she is kind of, she's not reaming him, but she just is kind of looking at his transfer script and just says, well, I hope you do better here than in your last school, Bartholomew. And he just says, Bart. Like, it's Bart. I don't go by no Bartholomew. And he just says it like it's a command, like, Bart. And she's so busy looking at his transfer script going over it that she, like, looks up and is like, oh, right, you're still here. Oh, you're still here? Okay, whatever. Bart, if that's what you want, well, you can go take a seat somewhere. 
His Colonel Sanders tie is just... <laughs> so, Bart's walking down the aisle. Right away, bam, his sights are set on Laura Ingalls. And he's got this smile like, hi. And he right away starts picking on Albert like, I want to sit there, shorty. And Albert doesn't back down. It's like, this kid's a street dude. He knows he ain't gonna back down. It's like, dude, I'm sitting here. Class already started. I'd be like, you're late. You gotta find a seat. But you're not sitting where I'm sitting. And Bart is like, oh, I can fix that. He's, he goes to grab for Albert's shoulder to just yank him out of that pew, that pew seat. So Willie, you know, he's always getting in the corner being told to, you know, go to the corner. At least he jumps in. He's probably like, I really don't want to see a fight. I want to stop this antagonizing guy. And, but what I really think is, oh, Willie's just getting out, trying to get on Bart's good side. You know he's it. He's a suck up. That's the awesome way. They're suck ups. They're schmoozers. I'm going to play, I want to play Bart's introduction here to this classroom because right away he is just like, I'm Bart. I'm new here. You don't like it. That's on you. I'm calling the shots here. I make my own rules. I defy authority. And a little bit of less words. <laughs> I hope you do better here than in your last school, Bartholomew. Bart. Bart, if you prefer, you may take a seat. He's gonna sit next to poor Clarence. <coughs> I need the whole seat. I'm too big to sit with someone else. Uh, go flat, guy. Yes, Clarence. <laughs> the hell? What's going on? Uh, nothing is wilder. I was just gonna go sit with you. Alright. I think it's safer back there. Oh, gives up his seat. To go sit and like, I like to sit in the back anyway. Of course you do, Willie, because that way you can get into a bunch of mischief. Mis mischief. Um, Bart sits, it slides into that seat. Clarence is on the end. And let me tell you about Clarence. This boy is the sweetest, most kind-hearted little boy. He's got the brown hair. He's got the cute wire room glasses. You want to know who he is? He's Walnut Grove's Harry Potter. He is Harry Potter on Walnut Grove. In Walnut Grove. He's adorable. I love this little guy. But of course, Bartholomew's like, I'm too big to sit with someone. Shove up. Basically, get out of this row. I need the whole row to myself. And I love Clarence's response. He's like, oh, go fly a kite. And Bartholomew's like, okay. <clears throat> like, just side checks him right out of that, out of that row. And this brings back when I was riding on the bus when I was probably about, this had to have been maybe junior high. And, gosh, was it or was it high school? I can't remember. But there's this boy 
And um, sometimes, with you know, I'd always sit up front, never sit in the back. And usually when some kids got in trouble, they had to sit up front. So, of course, that means they got to sit by me. And I got up to let him in by the window. And we're just sitting there as the bus is going along. And all of a sudden, it's like, checking me pushing me out of the seat into the aisle the point where I'm like stop it stop it stop and it's like I did nothing to this person I didn't say anything to them and it's just like this person saw me as someone to like like oh, I'm gonna have the seat to myself basically he didn't he didn't say that but it's just he right away started fucking with me I'm like you gotta be kidding me and you know me you know I, I was shy I, I wasn't gonna stand up for myself but I got to hand it to Clarence and Albert. They're not taking this guy's shit. And this guy is like a hulking football player to these kids that Laura's about 15. So he's got to be probably one of the oldest ones there. And then you got the other ones that are probably maybe 11 or 12. And right now, at this time, unfortunately, the older boys that are probably around Bart's age or about the size of Bart... They're all working with their parents, their dads on the field, in the fields, on the harvest. So what can these kids do if the bigger boys aren't there? Yes, it does take them a while, but eventually they come together, and I'll get to that scene when we get to it. And actually, um, real quick, another thing about this boy who was pushing me out of the seat... In seventh grade, this kid was always, like, raising his hand. Always, you know, I shared science class with him. And then, I don't know what happened by the time we got to high school. Because this kid was always wearing, you know, nice, you know, buttoned-up, you know, combed hair. High school, boom. That image of that kid is gone. And he's wearing a studded dog tag. He's got his hair dyed, like pink and it's all like spikes like spiked out and everything and he's wearing like chains and all this stuff it's like what and then he this kid in high school gets into a fight with someone and I remember the day because it was we had a substitute bus driver and we were at this guy's stop and he's fighting with some kid and he's screaming about white power and shit like that I'm like what the fuck like some transformation happened between junior high and high school that wasn't good (laughs) and sadly of course um i found out years later after high school that he had actually committed suicide we've lost my graduating class we've lost like a good handful of students since then but anyway sorry to be a downer but Wow, Eliza Jane is really a taskmaster. Master. <laughs> um, she's telling him about two class projects that they're going to do. And the kids are like, oh, you always got so much homework. Right now she's got a poster board sized cheaply model of the solar system, which is just in like black Sharpie and like little circular dots that are like, Here's Jupiter, here's Mars, here's Venus, here's Saturn, here's Uranus. <laughs> oh, if only those kids knew, right? <laughs> that makes me think of E.T. 
Where the kid's like, eh, where'd the alien come from? Your anus? Get it? Your anus? And the other guy's like, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. It's like, yeah, right. All right, we're jumping over to the mercantile. We got Harriet putting out some lanterns. And she's humming some tune. This song makes me think of, um... Okay, uh, now I know what the song is that Harriet is, because she says, Sounds of a rude day, sounds of the rude world heard unto me. Because that's what she was kind of singing, that, that tune. I'm like, okay, I've heard that somewhere. And it's actually called Beautiful, Beautiful Dreamer, a parlor song by American songwriter Stephen Forrester, 1826-1864. to Published in March 1864. Alright, so basically the lyrics are Beautiful dreamer, wake unto me. Starlight and dewdrops are waiting for thee. Sounds of the rude world heard in the day, which is what Harriet was saying. One of the humming. She's basically humming those lines. Lulled by the moonlight have all passed away. Beautiful dreamer, queen of my song. List while I woo thee with soft melody. Gone are the cares of life's busy thought. Throng? Okay. Beautiful dreamer, awaken to me. Beautiful dreamer, awaken to me. Here's the second verse. Beautiful dreamer, out of the sea. Mermaids are chanting the wild laurely. Over the streamlet, vapors are born, waiting to fade at the bright coming morn. Beautiful dreamer, beam on my heart. Even as the morn on the streamlet and sea... Then will all clouds of sorrow depart. Beautiful dreamer, awaken to me. Beautiful dreamer, awaken to me. Okay. Um, cool. That's interesting. I bet the song sounds a lot better if you listen to it instead of me um, just <laughs> reading out the words. Okay, so we get Mrs. Slater coming into the mercantile. And you know that Harriet is all about the monies. So she definitely is going to be schmoozing up like, oh, how's the new house? Oh, my nicest and sweetest customer. And just putting on the schmooze big time. Like, anything you want, I'll get you. If I don't have it, I'll order it and I'll go there and get it myself and bring it to you. She is that type of lady. If her attitude was as good as her, her salesmanship, that store would be hopping. But if there was another option, honestly, if I were there, if there were another option of a mercantile, I'd be going there. Otherwise, they'd be like, you know what, Harriet, great. Is Nels working? He's not? Okay, you know what? I'm going to come back later when he is because I don't feel comfortable being waited on by you. And if Yelp existed in this time, (laughs) they would be getting so many bad reviews. And I've heard sometimes that Yelp can make or break a business. Basically, they furnished, she and Nels furnished the Sanderson home from scratch. Like, every piece of furniture they had in that place, they send it right on out to them. And the Sandersons, being they're new in town and everything, it's like, that is the mercantile's golden egg there. It's like, we need to keep these people happy if we want to... Keep them here, and they'll keep spending money here. So that's going to become an issue later on when finally the school school board is brought on to these problems with BART in the classroom. 
<laughs> so, Miss Sanderson is there because she needs to get some drapery for her windows. It's all, the place is furnished, but it's like, I gotta get the drapery, I gotta get the fancy finer things that I need to, like, spruce up my place, right? Because I'm fancy, because I got money. And, oh my, you know that Harriet is trying to unload this brown polka-dotted fabric. Like, this is the very latest fashion. And right away, Mrs. Sanderson is like, Ew. This is your finest fashion, really? It's hideous. And, right, of course, Mrs. Austin's like, oh, you're right, it's terrible. Let me get you the good stuff. Like, sorry, if you can afford to get Nellie imported dolls and dresses from France, you can afford to get some quality stuff in there, like drapery. Dude, if you think about it, not many people in Walnut Grove are spending loads of money on drapery. So it's just going to be the basic whatever you can fit in the window is good enough for me. The Sanderson, Mrs. Sanderson has the taste, the expensive taste. So we're moving on from the scene. This is a gross nightmare real quick. Oh my goodness gracious. It's brown fabric with what looks like multicolored gumballs or marbles circles on it. It's just, it's gross. And, and Mrs. Sanderson is like horrified. Oh, it's absolutely awful. It's like, yeah, it is. It's gross. That's why she's trying to unload it on you. Make you think like, oh, it's so good. But right away, it's like, oh no, you're right. This is really bad. <laughs> oh, she throws Nels like, oh, Nels picked it out. Ugh. And she's probably like, oh, I, I, I did this. It's a joke, of course. Granted, Nels comes in and he's like, Harriet, are you still trying to sell that awful material you ordered? <laughs> oh! So, we have something under a cloth on Miss Wilder's desk. We don't know what it is yet, of course. Andy Garvey raises his hand and he's like, what can you write about the sky? And I feel like we we're missing some information there. Because this question just, like, what is it? Well, but then again, I'm thinking the solar system on that display, you know, poster board back there in the black Sharpie with all the, you know, dots representing the planets. And this is where Miss Wilder comes up with, well, you could write about the effects that, of the moon on the earth. So she gives an example, says, well, for instance, it's effects on the ocean tides. Be like, boring, we don't have an ocean here in Walnut Grove. Give me another example, please. Now she gets to the good stuff. Then, of course, there are its reported effects on people. Remember the movie Prancer when they're all sitting down to dinner one night and um, Aunt Sarah is telling little... Um, Jessica or Jessie or whatever you want to call her about her, she works nights at the um if you want to call it a institution they called it a mental hospital back then um mental you know facility whatever you want to call it she says on Christmas Eve there's supposed to be a full moon and the well oh no uh, Aunt Sarah knows someone who works like third shift or something on the third floor. And she says, when there's a full moon, 
the mental patients, they start acting really crazy. And of course, Jesse's all like, really? How? And of course, her older brother, Steve, is like, why don't you go there on Christmas Eve and find out? Like, <laughs> if you guys want to hear um, for Christmas, I do have the Prancer movie review up there that I put up like a couple years ago. I love, I love that movie. It's in my yearly rotation along with Home Alone. Home Alone is also up on the, and Home Alone 2 are both up on the Looking Back on My Wonder Years SoundCloud page. Willie, of course, is like, you mean like making him lovey-dovey? No, Willie, not like that. What? Where did you even get that from? Even Clarence, who's sharing a seat with Willie, he's in the same row, he just kind of gives Willie, like, a weird, like, side glance, like, what? Yeah, I know why you sit in the corner all the time. Oich. I think I'm getting more dumber just sitting here next to you. More dumber. No, Clarence is a beautiful sweetheart. I love him. Love my Harry Potter walnut grove boy. Eliza Jane, the look on her face, because all the kids are laughing, and she is trying to keep her composure as best she can. She tells them that many people's minds go awry. Okay, I want to check and see if there's any real truth to that, Eliza Jane, because I'm sure you're reading all of this out of a book that was probably written by some guy. This is pre-like Twilight, even though that that had werewolves in it in the, the new moon book but uh vampires of course do those get mentioned i think it's just werewolves i want to see these statistics there's gotta be some out there i don't hold a lot of stock in this this is from september 23 2016 seven ways the full moon supposedly affects the human body um this article is by lily fian f-e-m I-N-N. -N. Okay. She says, when I was a little kid, my older cousin told me that it wasn't safe to go outside at night during a full moon. It can make people crazy, you know, they said, with all the teenage authority they could muster. Their attempt to freak me out worked, and I swallowed the lie, hook, line, and sinker. I believe that the full moon affects the human body for way longer than I should have, and to this day, I still get a little creeped out when I see a big round moon lighting up the sky. For about as long as people have turned their faces upwards to marvel at the bright celestial bodies, the moon has been regarded as a powerful entity. As it turns out, I was not the only one to attribute special powers to the full moon. Beliefs that a full moon can change and control the human biology or behavior still persist today, to this day. The European folklore creature of the werewolf still features in our movies and TV shows, and the phrase must be a full moon continues to pepper our conversation, explaining what, explaining the unexplainable, but as ingrained in our culture as these theories may be, there is little factual evidence to support them. It seems the lunar cycle cannot control our periods after all. Whew. Here are the many ways that the full moon supposedly affects the human body. Be sure to read through them so next time an older cousin tries to frighten you, you can show them the facts and make them buy you a soda. One, the full moon controls menstruation. <laughs> theories from ancient civilizations link the phases of the moon with the women's menstrual cycles. Two, 
The full moon increases fertility and births. Three, the moon causes sleep deprivation. Oh, there's a cute little panda in this ad. Oh, little baby panda. Oh, it's hiding its eyes. Oh, it's so cute. Okay. Four, the moon can trigger epileptic seizures. It even says epileptic seizure, seizures were once blamed on witchcraft and possession instead of processes, processes inside one's own body. Five, the full moon makes us crazy. That a full moon can make us a bit loony is one of the most prevalent and hard-to-shake beliefs. The words lunacy and lunatic stem from the word Luna, the name of the ancient Roman moon goddess. Six, the full moon causes animal attacks as we see this adorable kitten, like, jumping at this old dog's face. And it's just lying there trying to fall asleep with his head on its paw. And this kitten just got boom right in the face. Like, wake up, you! Werewolves decide another popular belief is that people are more likely to get attacked by animals when the moon is full. Proving this scientifically has been tricky, producing conflicting results. British medical journals stated that bites from animals sent twice as from animals sent twice as frequent in a British emergency room during a full moon. And seven, the full moon causes blood loss and surgery. Doctors refused to operate on nights when the moon was full, but this connection has been proved to be a fallacy. All right, so that's those seven. I don't think I believe any of those. Eliza Jane is like really getting into like, how, like, oh, the men's go awry at the full moon. At the full of the moon. Like, whoa, yeah. Oh, we do get a little bit more. It says, so the solar system in Black Sharpie, we see Comet, we see Jupiter, we see Sun, we see Earth, Mars. She says, that is a derv derivation of the world lunatic. From the Latin word for moon, Luna. Bart, shut the hell up. We don't need your weirdness. He's like, yeah. he's drumming his fingers on his lower lip. Like, dude, seriously, stop. You're not making friends. You're being annoying. What is with your rosy cheeks? That is too rosy for Walnut Grove. Unless he's got sunburn. But maybe he's he's got fair skin. But he's not a redhead. He's a blonde. I don't know. The look that Elder gives, like, oh, you piece of shit, will you shut up? I'm actually interested in learning. And Eliza Jane's even saying something about aligning that some people's bodies are also fundamentally affected. As in the case of men turning into werewolves. No mention of periods, no mention of epilepsy, none of that stuff. Of course we gotta hear from Carrie. Are there really werewolves, Miss Wilder? I'm like, Carrie, please. No, there are no werewolves. Have you seen one? No. So, personally, Eliza Jane believes, no, there are no werewolves. But there are books written by people that have challenged that theory. It's basically, she holds up a book that's just a plain hardback brown cover that has werewolf printed in gold print. Written by the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould in 1865. Oh, wow. Thank you, Eliza Jane. I just read that in the trivia section. She's letting them know that is the same man who wrote Onward, Christian Soldiers. There is no connection between the werewolf book and the song. 
And she lets them know they can use the book as a reference. So that is project one. This next thing is project two. As she has Clarence come up and reveal this gorgeous paper mache animal. And we have this ceramic bowl filled with a white milky liquid, which in turn is actually the paper mache paste. And I worked with paper mache back when I was probably second or third grade. It is messy. You're gonna you're gonna get a make a mess of yourself and anything else. Clarence Tilson, she says, does marvelous work. So this is kind of Clarence's hobby. So he probably like gave her some inspiration for a project for the kids. And this is fun for the kids. They'll have fun with this stuff. I call it papier, papier mache. It's like I call it paper mache, but. To each their own, I guess. Oh, these are beautiful! He's got an owl and a clown and a kangaroo. Aww. They almost look with the lighting. They almost look like they're sur partially ceramic, but they're not. That clown face could be like P.T. Barnum, kind of, maybe. <laughs> she is so fascinated. Miss Wilder is over the... Oh my gosh, a purple kangaroo! Oh, this is so fascinating! We cut to Bart's expression, and he's like, What the fuck is this shit? Paper mache? Are we five? <laughs> so he's not having it, of course. He's being a real dick. I remember using, like, newspaper, which is probably... Isn't that usually the common paper that you use? Oh, we also see uh, Venus uh, and Earth on that sign they got back there. They got Neptune and Saturn. Oh, it's a mixture of flower and water. So he's pretty much wrapping it around this, like, piece of, like, a glass bottle of sorts. But it's not, like, a rounded, like, a beer bottle type thing. But it's more... Like, it's almost shaped like, kind of like a bell this bottle is on the bottom. So, I'm just going to start calling her Eliza Jane. Eliza Jane, she calls up Bartholomew, you know, student to demonstrate with Clarence. And she's like, Bar how about our new student, Bartholomew? And he, the look he gives her, like, you did not just say that. I told you what to call me. And immediately Eliza Jane's like, oh, I mean Bart. She's like, <laughs> he's imposing. He is really definitely imposing. Um, so Bart drags his ass up there like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll do it. He goes up there, dunks the piece of paper in the bowl of paper mache mix. And Clarence is all like, oh, you don't have to drown it. Like, you don't have to submerge the paper. Just, like, just lightly in the bowl. And he puts it on Clarence's head, on the top of his head and down his face. And Eliza Jane's, like, realizes, like, okay, this is getting out of control. And the kids all start laughing at poor Clarence. Even Albert and Laura kind of grin. Eliza Jane's like, what are you doing? And Bart's like, I'm making a midget. Like, what the hell, dude? Poor Clarence. I'm gonna play this clip.
then wash your hands and apologize. Young man, I will ask Clarence if you gave him a proper apology when he returns to class. So, Eliza Jane tells Clarence to go wash his head outside, and then she tells Bart to go outside and apologize to Clarence, and that she will ask Clarence if he did, in fact, apologize. And this, the look of me, okay. honestly, this is going to be the first time that Eliza Jane has felt like a student has actually tried to, he's not fully overpowered her, but the fact that he's causing such a disruption in her classroom, and that the kids are all laughing, it's like she feels like maybe a little bit so far that she's kind of losing control, like, oh my god, what are you doing, why are you doing this? I'm trying to teach a class, and you're putting paper mache on this kid and saying, oh, I'm making a midget. <laughs> like, you dick. So now we cut to outside where Clarence has gotten some water to wash his, his whole shirt. is just, honestly, you want to know what this looks like? It looks like just marshmallow cream all over Clarence's head, all over the front of his shirt. It's really like, ugh. But then again, it's just flour and water. I want to see what paper mache is, if that's really the ingredients. You do pretty good with that uh, papier stuff. Papier, papier? How about making me some animal for my class project? Make your own. I'll give you 50 cents. Uh-uh. All right, I'll double it. One dollar. A dollar? Yeah. Well, alright. <coughs> you got yourself a deal. Yeah, show me oh, your dollar. we go back inside. You tell Miss Wilder I apologized. But you didn't. You just tell her that. Like, give me another dollar, you jerk. Alright, so I looked it up. It says, what materials do you need to make paper mache? Water and flour are the two main ingredients. Alright, so, hands up, you know, I'm sorry, Clarence. I didn't mean to doubt you. I didn't necessarily doubt you, but I really wanted to know. I know there's got to be some type of glue in there. There's got to be some. You can also add white glue to this mixture, or it can be used as a suitable substitute. Paper mache can also be mixed in with a paper mache paste to create a pulp. Interesting. Good. So, outside while Clarence is getting cleaned up in the clip you heard, Bart compliments like, wow, you're really good with that papery whatever the hell that you're making. And, and he's like, do you think you make me an animal? And Clarence is like, make your own. Which I'm like, yeah, make your own shit, man. And Bart's like, hey, I'll give you 50 cents, alright? And Clarence is like, no. Try again. So, Bart's like, alright, I'll sweeten it. Give me a buck. Give me a whole dollar. And Clarence just kind of looks at him like, a dollar? Hmm. Okay. Of course, Bart has to get come. Like, hey, look. When you go inside, you tell Miss Wilder that I apologize to you. You got me? And... Clarence is like, yeah, but you didn't apologize. And Bart's like, look, just say that I did, okay? I'd be like, hey, pay me another dollar and I might cover your ass. So Bart is like a big fucking bad case of herpes. He, like, keeps coming back. 
Laura is not interested in your advances, you disgusting hooligan. Like, hey, Laura, I'll carry your books. And she's like, no, thank you. I can carry my own books. He's really forceful. Like, hey, I said I'll carry your books for you. And Albert's walking with her like, hey, look. Bet, like, seriously, back off. He's, like, playing tug of war with her fucking books. Like, you know, seriously. And she's like, no, give me my books. So Albert jumps right in there and pushes, just kind of lightly shoves Bart on the arm and says, leave her alone, Bartholomew, because he knows you call him Bartholomew, he's going to get pissed. And Bart stops hassling with Laura and says, don't call me Bartholomew Shorty. Because he, he literally is at least a head or so taller than Albert. He's like, calling him Shorty and everything. And Albert's like, don't call me Shorty. I love how Albert, like, slowly, like, don't call me shorty, Bartholomew. And Albert, like, takes his hands and just kind of shoves Bart, which really doesn't do anything to him. He's still standing. And Bart holds up and just, boom, right in that, knocks Albert off his feet. Laura, of course, protecting her own good name. And Albert jumps on this guy's back. Like I said, this guy is a beefy football player. Like, he is big, built like a Mack truck. The kids that are all co still coming out of the schoolhouse are all like, hey, 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 and then Almanzo finally gets in there. It's like, because he's working at the feeding seat. He sees what's going on. <laughs> get off, get off, get off there. Off. Whoa! Keep your nose out of this. You brought a fight with a girl? I wasn't fighting her, it's him. Well, now hold on, he's half your size. You're not. Yes! Thank you, Almanzo. Punch him in the damn right, stomach, you kid. piece fight of shit, over. kid. <coughs> you alright, Ben? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, he's tugging at her braid. Ah. Oh, buddy. <coughs> Looks like it's gonna be a real beauty. A <laughs> real beauty. Thanks, Manly. Yeah, sure. go find a steak and Bye. pop it on that eye, buddy. Fucking dick. Oh, my goodness gracious sake. Those other kids weren't even helping. I thought they were going to, like, jump in there. They're like, no, fight, 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 fight. It's like, seriously, if you're not going to help, get the hell out of here. What are you doing, right? So, Elmonto jumps in there. First of all, Laura's still hanging on Bartholomew's back as he's, you know, tussling with Albert. Elmanza goes, like, forcibly removes Laura from Bartholomew Bart's back. Puts her over there. And then he finally grabs Bart, turns him to face him, and says, Are you proud of fighting a girl? And Bart's like, I wasn't fighting her, I was fighting him. And Almanzo's like, well, he's half your size. And Bart doesn't even think twice about hitting an adult. Like, you are... F Ugh. And he... Bart takes a swing at Almanzo. Almanzo, bam, man. He, boom, right in the gut. Yes, thank you. Show that kid. I don't care if Almanzo's an adult. Someone had to stop that kid. I think that kid would take a swing at an adult and not think twice about it. That kid needs to be out of there. So Albert and Laura walking away, of course. Jeez. 
Bart threatens him and says, I'm going to get you, Shorty. And Albert stops, turns around, and starts walking in. And Lauren has to grab him by the arm like, Albert, seriously, no. Let's just go. And I like how Almanzo is like, hey, Beth, you all right? Because, you know, he calls Laura Beth. Because her middle name's Elizabeth. And he wanted a nickname for her. And I love how he kind of, like, holds her bra- one of her braids and just kind of lightly tugs on it. Like, <laughs> you're my girl. <laughs> They're not there yet 100%. They're just kind of like, eh, harmless flirting. On the walk home from school... Laura's, like, gushing, like, wasn't Manly wonderful? Because Manly is her nickname for him. Wasn't he wonderful coming to my rescue? She's riding that Almanzo train hard. Then, of course, she corrects herself. I I mean our rescue. And Albert, tough guy that he is, like, I didn't need any rescue. I was like, buddy, you needed somebody to jump in there. And Laura just hanging off of Bart's back was not doing you any favors. So... Albert tells Laura, look, I'm going to bend the truth like a smidge, all right? I did fall. Don't worry. And she's like, really, you're going to lie to Pa? And he's like, well, no, I mean, it's not technically a lie. I mean, you saw me. I did. I fell. And he's like, I can fight my own battles. I don't want Pa thinking I can't. And Laura's like, well, you really can't. I mean, at least not with that big gorilla, which he is like the size of a gorilla. He's starting to develop in... They realize this guy's a problem and that they do have to kind of eventually come up with a solution. Otherwise, he's just going to keep coming after Albert and terrorizing the other kids as well. So it's the next day as Almanza's dropping off uh, Eliza Jane to work. And of course, Mr. Sanderson has to get his ass up there because Bartholomew is saying all this shit that Almanza struck him first. Wine into daddy. Daddy, go fix my problem. Cause this big old man went and hit me. Good. Like, <sighs> this guy, of course, he's like, You, you, Mr. Wilder, my boy said you hit him in the gut. Is that true? You and I are gonna have words, mister. Like, I gotta play this clip. There were two other witnesses. Your boy was beaten up on little Albert Ingalls. I stepped in to stop it and he went for me. Children fight among themselves. No reason for an adult to interfere. Uh, yeah, so, there is. Slater, not one of those children is bigger than most grown men. Discipline my own child as I see fit. Well, you best get to it then. <coughs> Watch your mouth, boy. Excuse me? My son minds at home. It's up to his teacher to see that he minds at school. Oh, don't you fucking dare. You were a newbie. You don't call the shots, man. Back off. You don't get to play that card. This guy ain't gonna give a shit if Amon's like, well, he was hitting on a girl. And this, like, basically, practically assaulting her by ripping her books out of her hands. You really advise that? Is that how you want to raise your kid? Of course, anything Almanzo says, because he's like, yeah, he was hitting little um, Albert Ingalls. And the guy's well, kids fight, don't they? It's not an adult's, you know, an adult shouldn't be interfering with that. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Because Almanzo even says, like, not when the grown teenage boy is like, the same size or even bigger than most adults. 
And Mr. Sanderson's like, oh, well, if I mind my boy at home, and then it's the teacher's job to mind him at school, and if she can't, I'll get the school board to, to bring on someone else. It's like, dude, you don't get that say. You do not. You are a newbie in that town. You don't call the shots. Granted, now we go to the classroom. We got the kids throwing... Oh, everyone's in on the whole phone, spit wads and whatever, while uh, Eliza Jane's up working on division issues, problems on the board. Can you imagine having to solve that crap in your head? I can barely solve that shit on paper. And some of those problems, like when I was doing that back when I was... Um, took that math class, which of course I failed. Um, it's just, you keep like, like so many columns until you get to the very end. Like this is so taxing and boring. And I, ugh, I hate division. I hate fractions. Can't stand them. But it, the fact that you would have to solve that crap in your head, I mean, pulling out my hair. Oh, Albert's pretty good when it comes to math. I've seen him in other episodes. He's really, like, boom. He is on it. Because Miss Wilder asks, you know, can you come up and solve this? He goes up, starts to walk up there, walks past Bart, who grabs him. Because you know all the boys wear suspenders, right? To keep their uh, trousers up. Of course, Bart grabs onto the elastic behind Albert's shirt and just yanks him backwards. And Miss Wilder sees it. She's like, Bart! That will be enough of that. So now Bart is like, I'm going to put a tack right here on where Albert's sitting. And Laura, of course, I don't even think she notices. Of course, Clarence, he's got that eagle eye. He's right behind Bartholomew. And he's like, Miss Wilder. And she's like, not now, Clarence. It's like, no, you really, you need to hear what he's got to say. And she's just gushing over Albert. Okay, so the problem is, let me see if he can move his head. Move your head, buddy. I can't see. 124. <laughs> Divided by You're 8, so 9, 280. And it's 720. Him down. I've asked you over and over <laughs> not to do such things. Your continued disturbances are not fair to the others who are trying to concentrate. Now, I am afraid I'm going to have to punish you. Stand in the corner. My pa ain't gonna like this. Isn't. Stand in the corner. Girl. Aww. 
That kid's got a chest here. Fuck you! Fuck you and the horse you rode on and on, you piece of shit. I would be kicking that kid in the ass. Fucking garbage person. So, Eliza Jane's just doing what a teacher is supposed to do when a student is unruly. And being uncooperative. And exactly what Bart's father wanted, did he not? He's like, it's her, you know, I'm, I'm my boy, I take care of my boy at home, she's gotta take care of him in the school. That's exactly what she's doing. She's telling I've told you before, you're disrupting my class, I'm not gonna have it, you need to go. She didn't even apologize, I'm sorry, but you will have to stand in the corner. And... He's all like, my Paul ain't gonna, and she's like, isn't. She's correcting his grammar. Like, he's not gonna like what? The fact that she put you in the corner? The fact that you were being an asshat in class and got yourself put in the corner? That is not on her. That is on you. I can see why you were kicked out of all these schools, kid. Because he goes like he's going to stand in the corner, takes her chair... And just knocked it to the ground. And she's, by the way, she's writing, like, stuff up on the, on the board and stuff like that. She's trying to, you know, teach a class. And she's surprised. No student has ever acted out. And this is not acting out. This is beyond that. This is a kid that would probably be in special ed back in the 90s. Labeled a problem child. And she's just, she's freaked out, and she's trying her best to keep her composure with all the other students. And basically, she finally relents. It's like, honestly, what can I do? She does, like, now, for you, for you advanced students, we're going to start on decimals. And she's writing, and she stops, and she's like, I, class dismissed. I'm not feeling well today. And he basically emotionally breaks this normally old school marm, Eliza Jane, by the book. She's like, pick up my chair. She's trying to hold, like, keep some authority, which she feels like she is definitely losing control. Because Bart, in his eyes, is like, oh no, I'm going to definitely take advantage of you, this weak-willed woman. And she's like, pick up my chair. And he's like, pick it up yourself. And what's to say if she hadn't, if she had bent down to try to pick the chair up, that he wouldn't have put, pulled it farther out of her reach or physically attacked her or, or, or something. This kid has no qualms about the kid, the other students because he's bigger than them. So he knows he's got an advantage. And now he's tormenting an adult never mind not only that she's a woman and he's got no respect for women but the fact that he would and he's got no respect for any adult because Almanzo showed him up for him punched him in the gut like you are not going to act this way around these kids and you know damn well that Almanzo's going to find out that this guy is threatening basically threatening his sister Oh, you know he is going to come down and rain holy hell on, on that kid. Like, you are not going to stop him. My heart 
breaks for Eliza Jane. I mean, I can only imagine. Like I said, I was in special ed. I saw kids like that pull shit like that with the teacher. Where they tried to... Teachers are trying to keep control of the classroom and the class and everything. And these kids are not only really disrupting, but they're becoming threatening to the teacher. Those are the, this kid, if there was for a reform school or whatever existed back in the 1800s, his ass would be there. And she has the kids, you know, you know, class dismissed. And Bartholomew just starts walking away from the car like, oh, am I dismissed too, Miss Wilder? Because <laughs> he knows what can she honestly do other than tell him to stand on the corner. But he's basically emotionally broke her by stepping over her authority. Like, you're no threat to me, Miss Wilder. My dad's a bigwig in this town now, so I can do whatever the hell I want, basically. <laughs> Like, my dad is making this town money and giving money to this town. So you know damn well that Harriet is not, she's going to be on the side of the Sandersons. So now we cut to the little house. Caroline's hanging up the laundry. She's laughing at something. I'm not sure what. And of course, it's probably, what, like 10 o'clock in the morning. And she's like, well, you're home early. Because it's probably even before lunchtime. And she's not expecting them to be there. And Laura's like, well, Miss Wilder dismissed us. Why do I say Sanderson? It's Slater. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, guys. Sanderson. Wasn't there a Sanderson? It was... That was the, the kids. Carl, wasn't it? Sanderson? The Carl and John Jr. and Alicia? Oh, man. I'm sorry, I don't know how I went from Slater to Sanderson, but uh, I apologize. Um, but Caroline's like, what happened? Like, why, why are you home early? And Laura's like, she doesn't mince words. She's like, two words, Bartholomew Slater. And clearly there's word around town this kid is a troublemaker. Laura and Albert probably come home every night and spill the tales of what goes on in that classroom and all the antics because there are multiple of Bart's antics there and Caroline's like all right well I'm gonna talk to your father it's like yes Charles is he doesn't run the town by no means but this town is a community that comes together. Well, 98 99% of them come together. Harriet Olsen is that 1% it is, that is always going to be the objection to when you got like five yays, she's going to be that one nay. Of course, she runs the mercantile. So, a lot of the time, there may be more yeses than a no, or more no's than a yes, but she's going to overrule every time because she's got the mercantile, and that is their main food source when it comes to that stuff. Like, you need clothes, you need food, candles, what boots, what have you. They are basically a Target store. Or whatever you want to call it. 
And the next town to get any of the shit that you want is gonna be, like, at least a day or two's ride. Like, you got your Mankato, you got your your Sleepy Eye, you got your other towns, whatever they are. It's like, you could make those days travels, which is gonna be a real pain in the ass. Or you could bite the bullet and just go to the Mercantile and pray that Nels is working the counter, right? So I'm going to play this clip as Laura is kind of filling in on what is going on in the classroom and then how she told Bart to stand in the corner. He yanked her chair away, tossed, you know, pushed it on the floor, and he talked back to her and she started crying and dismissed everybody. I mean, Eliza Jane can handle a good stuff you know, a chunk of the stuff that go Willie is about as far as anything gets in that classroom when it comes to you petty little things. He surely isn't gonna start talking back and like knocking her chair over and say, Pick it up yourself. And this can like I said, this Bart is an imposing, threatening youth. Oh, I get why she's laughing because the baby is uh running through the clothes. <laughs> what happened? In two words, Bartholomew Slater. He kicked over Miss Wallace's chair on purpose. Well, he knocked it down. Back to her. <laughs> I think she was crying. She's afraid. No, she was. You watch your sister. I'm gonna speak to your father about this. Yeah, someone's gotta get in there and deal with this shit. So, Charles goes into the schoolhouse. And Eliza, there's no kids there. They've all gone home. Eliza Jane is just sitting at her desk, just trembling with fear. I mean, even though, like I said, she's an old school mom, she's tough in that regard, which is good. But she, Eliza Jane, emotionally, is a very delicate flower. But then again, honestly... Any other teacher there, you got, you know, Miss Garvey prior to this. Miss um, Beetle. Do you think Miss Beetle would have put been able to handle this? There's, um, what is the episode? Um, there's one of, like, I think it's, like, season two where the apple tree substitute guy comes from wherever. And the reason he's there is because we got these big high school boys, like, going fisticuffs in the classroom. And Miss Beetle say, like, what can she do physically? What, try to break them apart and end up getting walloped in the face herself? No. So they bring in this Mr. Appletree guy, or Crabtree, whatever his name is. This guy's like 56 years old. Granted, Maybe he's in his 40s. I don't know. I mean, sometimes people back then, they look a lot older than what they actually were. But anyway, this guy, what? What's this guy going to do, right? So I like that Charles is coming to Eliza Jane to be able to kind of get the story from Eliza. Like, what happened? The kid said, this Slater kid came at you, knocked your chair down. What happened? So I'm going to play this clip.
Eliza Jane, and she is just head bowed, hands covering her face, just, just utterly, just right from the gut, weeping because it's like, what can she do? And she says, "I really can't enforce discipline. That boy, you know what he needs? He needs a wallop on the ass. Honestly, I mean, God, I, I'm sorry. Back in the '80s, that's how I grew up. Kids got spanked." The father needs to be doing something. But then again, he delegates all the responsibilities to his wife when it comes to his son. And then he'll just blame whoever, like... But he'll believe his son when he comes home crying, saying, Almanzo, like, hit him first and this and that. Yeah, Charles is right. Well, you know, there's nothing worse than a parent who believes their kid can do no wrong. And it's great that you love your kid. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your kid fucks up in school, you gotta be the one to admit it. It's gonna be hard, but honestly, you need to open your eyes and realize your child is not perfect. They are gonna fuck up sometimes. And you're gonna have to eventually admit to it. Like, my kid's not perfect. But not only is... Bartholomew, Bart, threatening her, but the dad is also threatening her with saying, if you can't control my kid, we'll have to get someone else in there. I'm like, dude, you are a newbie. You can't call the shots. Cheryl finally says, look, the kids need an education. Eliza Jane says, I need this job. It's like, she is a, a teacher. That is what she was born to do in her heart of hearts. What else can she do? This is her passion. So, Charles is like, look, I will speak to Mr. Slater. And I will figure this out. Because he even at one point says, well, have you talked to the father? And she's like, well, no. I was like, you're not going to talk to that man. You're going to talk through him because he's not going to listen. But maybe, but then again, think about it. If Charles is working for this Slater guy... How's that going to look on Charles? But then again, you come after, your teenage boy comes after a teacher. 
There's no question. Words are going to be had. This town is not going to take that crap. Even though that one person compared it to the Bully Boys, I get it. And I did kind of rail against it at first. Nothing tops what those two adults did by putting their hands on Caroline. However, and you know, that buddy or whatever the fuck his name was, that kid who punched, you know, Mary in the face. And then we got this Sanderson, Sander, again with the Sanderson, what, where am I coming up with this? Slater boy. I'll just, AC Slater. Um, Slater boy knocks down her chair and all that stuff. So, but he's full on threatening her. Like, what are you going to do about it? Pick up that chair yourself. Like I said, guys, I seen people, kids do that shit when I was in school. I've seen them do that where they feel that they hold all the cards and all the power, but let's move on. So I'm going to play uh, this clip in a minute. Charles is going to Slater Sr. and telling him what happened. The dad's like, hey, look, I got a farm runner. I can't sit in a classroom and watch my kid. Some kid's parent in seventh grade, in my seventh grade, came to school to sit in the classroom for a hot second and watch his kid and make sure his kid behaved. Yeah. Only in special ed, guys. Charles is coming back with, look, I told you what happened, right? Certainly you can't excuse that. I'm like, your wife ain't doing shit. Get her ass in the classroom. She can watch her boy. She ain't doing nothing. Fucking whole, hanging up fucking drapery in the windows. You can spare an hour. Sit in that classroom and watch your fucking kid. This guy, of course, is going to side with his son. Like, look, Ingalls, I know what you told me. I know what my kid told me. She was upset. She got up, knocked her chair over, and got embarrassed. Like, fuck you. Fuck that boy, too. So she blamed my son. Simple as that. And Charles was like, that's what he told you. You believe that. Really. You are a fucking fool. And he's like, I'm certainly gonna believe my son over a stranger. Dude! Your kid's been kicked out of how many fucking schools? Clearly the problem is with your son. Wanna grow, follow suit, get that kid out of that fucking class. Say, you're done. I'm not dealing with this. These kids need to learn. You're preventing me. Goodbye. So, Slater just says, hey, look, Ingalls, I told you. I'm a busy man. If you'll excuse me, I got stuff to do. Ingalls, I told you I'm a busy man. I can't spend the day sitting in a classroom watching the sun. And I told you what happened, sir. You can't excuse that. Well, I know what you told me. I know what my boy told me. Look, I asked him to stand in the corner. She was upset. She got up, knocked her chair over, and got embarrassed. So she blamed my son. Simple as that. Right, that's what he told you. You believe him. I'm certainly going to blame my son over a stranger. Ingles, I told you I'm a busy man. You'll excuse me. So, Charles has basically hit a wall here. What can he do? He said, your kid's full of shit. Spouting shit to you that ain't true. Slater's like, look, I'll believe uh, my son over a teacher any day of the week. As Charles walks off, like, look, there's clearly nothing more I can do or say. Fucking Bart is right behind the damn doorway of that barn. He's got this big fucking 
Cheshire grin, like, yeah, 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 what are you gonna do about it? So we cut to, uh, Elmanzo and Eliza Jane's place, and, oh man, Elmanzo, right attitude, dude, because he is all like, well, if his father's not gonna do anything about it, I will. Like, he's not gonna stand for someone threatening his sister? Oh man, he is fit to be tied. Elmanzo, yes. That anger is well played. Yes. It's like, now if someone's got to take a stick to that boy, and if the father isn't going to do it, then I will. Oh, he is pissed. Think about it. What? Oh my gosh. I was just thinking about this scenario, okay? Try this. Let's say Laura was a teacher, right? She and Elmanzo married. She gets a problem child like Slater. Well, we've already seen Laura, 15-year-old Laura, like, on this guy's back. She's she's nothing. She's a, she's a spider monkey. She's a ragdoll. Not, not doing nothing. Because this guy's a linebacker. So, I think Laura's got enough fire in her. But then again, as a teacher, what can you do? They say to discipline the kid. How are you going to discipline him? Put him in the corner? That clearly don't work. And I'm playing this clip, man. He is getting fired up, and I am getting fired up by what happens next. Well, if his father's not going to do anything about it, I will. Now, someone's going to take a stick to that boy, and I'm just the one to do it. I agree with you, Almanzo, but it's not your right. I still say we leave it up to the school. No. Oh, come on. I realize you're trying to help Mr. Ingalls, but I've just got to try to get through to him. You can't. How do you propose to do that? I don't know. Going to school is lots of fun. From laughing, we have gained a ton. We laugh until we have a pain at lazy, lousy lies. You piece of fucking shit. See in school, Liza Jane. Get off my property, you piece of shit. You're trespassing. That Get out. Alonzo James. Not that way. Well, she is right. Mr. Ingalls? Let's have that school board. Well, if Harriet's on the school board, you really don't have much of a shot. Yeah. Bert's in their fucking yard! Saying that some stupid childish song calling Eliza Jane lazy and lousy. I'd be like, you get off my fucking property, kid, or I will have your ass in the slammer. That is trespassing. He's harassing her now. And Almanzo, they're both... Eliza Jane, Almanzo, and Charles are at the door watching this kid on la 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 la. It's, and Almanzo like, that's it. I'm gonna. F Eliza Jane holds him back like Almanzo James. Almanzo James. That is not the way. She's like, let's have that school board meeting. And I'm like, Harriet's gonna bring on the damn meeting. She's gonna be in the meeting, man. Uh, she wants to prevent the expulsion of Bartholomew Slater. Bitch, have you met this fucking boy? He's a piece of shit. She don't care that he's beating up on the other kids and threatening a teacher. And Nels is right. Well, I think he should be expelled. And all hearing, of course, you know, she just gives a shit about the money. The money that's coming in that they're spending at her store. And he stands, he's like, you know what? That's how I'm going to vote. And she's like, you've taken a leave of your senses. Bitch, shut up. I'm playing this clip. Yes, Nails. Yes, you stand up to your wife. 
This is wrong. And he knows it's wrong. This is not a matter of money. It's a matter of respect. And that kid ain't got none. Yes. It's time to get ready to go to the meeting. I'll need your vote so we can prevent the expulsion of Bartholomew Slater. Well, I think he should be expelled. And that's how I'm going to vote. Have you taken leave of your senses? No, dear. Do you mean to tell me you're going to vote against your wife? That's correct. Very well. You leave me no choice. In all fairness, I can no longer allow you to be a member of the school board. You can't do that. What? You heard me. As president of the school board, I am removing oh, you. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I shall appoint someone else who is uh, more reasonable, who agrees with me. Where are you going to find an idiot that will agree with yeah, you? Yeah, really. <gasps> oh, you got to be killing, you kidding me, Nellie? Mr. Slater has pledged a considerable <gasps> amount of money for the school fund drive. Now, if we expel his son, he most certainly won't give it. And the school most certainly needs the money. It most certainly does. If we don't expel Bartholomew Slater, there won't be any school. That's true. It's a rotten apple in the barrel. Yep. And his father is the cream in our coffee. And he will probably take his business elsewhere. Good. And that includes the mill, Mr. Ingalls. That is his privilege, Mrs. Olson. I don't see why we have to sacrifice principle for profit. That's right. I agree. Well, if Miss Wilder can't control her class, perhaps we should find Nelly, another teacher get your who can. Ass up there and Madam you Chairman, do it. I call for the vote. Oh, yes, of course. This is bullshit. After all, we can't sit around here all day and slander that poor defenseless boy. All right. All in favor of the expulsion, please raise their hands. Those against? Well, I guess we have uh, reached what is called a stalemate here, gentlemen. They need another person. That is unfair. Bartholomew Slater will remain in school. Great. Then all the kids are leaving. We're not having them here. They're not safe. She's not safe. <laughs> I'm so angry! Harriet Nellie! Harriet removed Nels. Like, I'm the, the president of the school board, so I'm removing you and getting someone that agrees with me. Nels was like, what idiot are you going to find that's going to agree with you, Harriet? Nellie! Nellie, you don't got a kid in that school. Granted, no, neither does Dr. Baker, but still. It's like, come on! They need a fifth person. There's only four of them there. Basically, it's a tie. They vote... We'll keep him here or expel him. Of course, Dr. Baker and Charles are all for the expulsion. And Harriet and Nellie are all for keep him here. And she keeps telling them, like, hey, if we expel Slater's son, he will take his business elsewhere. The town needs the money. The school needs the money. And Charles was like, look. You keep that kid here, there isn't going to be a school because there isn't going to be any learning going on. And just like, yeah. And Charles is running up the whole thing about you're, you're settling for profit over principle. Really? That kid is a threat to the children. They are not safe. Eliza Jane isn't safe. She just, she says nothing the whole time during this meeting. What can she say, really? She just stands there kind of stone-faced like, I have no, I, I, I can't have an opinion. She gets up and leaves. So it's a, it's a two to two tie. 
And I don't know how... Harry's like, well, that's it. He's going to stay here. He's going to stay in this school. Like, whatever. Well, and even Nellie is all like, well, if Miss Wilder can't handle it, maybe we should get a teacher that should. It's like, you know what, Nellie? Be my guest. You know what, Harriet? You want to teach? Be my guest. Remember the episode? It's in season seven. Goodbye, Miss Wilder. Where Harriet wants to teach art in this other French in Walnut Grove. And they're all about, like, look, if Mrs. Wilder can't handle these students because they're not learning, not remembering. Laura finally stands up and says, you know what? I'm out. Harriet, you want to teach the kids? Have at it, because I'm done. I'm not going to stand here and be bulldozed because you want to teach these subjects these kids really don't need. So, Albert and Laura are trying to figure out what to do. They feel bad for Miss Wilder because it turns out now it's like, well, you guys want to hire another teacher, I guess I'm out. So that means me and my brother are leaving Walnut Grove. And that sucks for Laura because, you know, that's her impending future romance, future husband we're talking about here. There's got to be a way to save her job. And I get that it's like, look, we're kids. The adults couldn't even handle him. What, what are we going to do? So, Laura goes to fish out a little more information from Elmanzo. It's like, look, I'm sorry about what happened to Miss Wilder. Um, I hear you're gonna, does that mean that you gotta leave as well? I mean, because she's leaving. And he, he goes over to her and kind of sits down on the platform and says, I'm afraid so. And of course Laura's like, well, why do you have to go? <coughs> and he's a 26, 27 year old man. But then again, he's Eliza Jane's little brother. He wants to protect her. You know, it's a sister. Well, he admits that he doesn't want to, but his sister's all alone and he feels a responsibility. Well, that's a good little brother right there. Watch it out for big sister. The world is a big, scary place. And Eliza Jane, like I said, she's a delicate flower. Anybody could try to take advantage of her. And that is, you know, he wants to be there to put a stop to it. So that truth kind of sinks into Laura. She's like, oh, and she looks down and then she looks up at him and says, I'll miss you. And you see those dimples as Almanzo smiles at her. And he's like, I'll miss you too, Beth. Aww. I love these moments. I know she's 15 and he's like 26 or whatever. But it's like, Because you know Almanzo and Laura Ingalls are endgame. And she's like, you will? He's like, I sure will. Like, aww. Yeah, he's enough with a flirt and he's got to get back to work. All right, here is phase one of their plan as Albert brings up the werewolf book. So this is where the werewolf, in quotes, of Walnut Grove is slowly being planted into the impressionable minds. They are going to say, hey, Clarence, you want to help us out with this? We know that you hate Barth as much as we do. This might actually work if we all kind of stick to the same, you know, plan here. So he brings up the book, and Laura at first is kind of like, 
what what is this here? And he's like, look, it's her book about um Miss Wilder's book on werewolves. And she's like, yeah, and? He's like, and look, if Bartholomew's scared enough, maybe he'll leave town. Like, I mean, it's a simple, innocent plan. Like, eh, needs to be kind of reworked and uh, have some more phases added to it. But, uh, need to brainstorm. Go back to the drawing table there, Albert. Oh, El Albert, he is the king of plans. And she's bringing up the whole werewolf. Like, she's like, werewolf? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I'm gonna be a werewolf. Come on, I'll, I'll tell you about it, the rest of the plan on the way. So, Albert and Laura are, they got, like, some chicken wire and some wood to make, you don't know what it is yet. And Caroline comes up like, what are, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's our project for school. And she's like, well, I thought you were doing an astronomy project. And I'm like, well, we're all, we're doing two projects. That's actually a separate thing from this. Because you know how Miss Wilder loves to uh, chalk up our workload, our school workload. They're making a Okay, so I get why the sticks are in there to kind of like stretch out the chicken wire a little bit. What I love how they keep calling it papier mache rock. Just call it paper mache. <laughs> That's what I grew up calling it. But she's like, I thought that the project was supposed to be, you know, artistic. What's artistic about a rock, Caroline? And she's kind of going from all angles, kind of looking at it. And Albert's like, well, I mean, it'll be artistic and, you know, practical. And she's like, well, what is... A, this use what are you going to get out of this rock that's this size it's like ma please you asked too many questions alright all will be revealed in due time thank you we're in the creation process right now we're kind of going along we have a set schedule everything has to be done at a certain time all questions will be answered at the end thank you he's like yeah I'll, I'll think of a, a don't worry about it, Ma. It'll be fine. <laughs> that would be my answer. Like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Everything's under control. So she's like, um, I see. Okay. It's like, I don't know what you're doing. I'm a little worried, but you seem like you know what you got a head on your shoulders. So I'll just leave you to it. Bye. So now we also see, it's almost like a little montage. They're working on some chains that, you know, they're going to make him look like a werewolf. And you gotta have the effects. I mean, this is all 1800 special effects, everybody. They're going, they're going full board with this, this plan. So we got a drunkard who's sleeping off a hangover. And Laura comes up with these humongous metal scissors. Cuts off this guy's beard. You don't know if it's lice filled. You don't know if that guy's cleaned his beard. But, of course, oh, there's a, there's a, uh, bystander, you know, in a, in a wagon going past, and Albert's got his hand up, like, not, not, not yet, we got someone, like, driving by, so don't, don't do anything just yet, we don't want to get caught here. You got a huge scissors, and you're going up to a sleeping drunkard, and from that guy's angle over there on the wagon, it could look like you're about ready to stab that guy in the throat. So, just hold up a bit. The okay, and Laura leans in and just cuts that guy's scraggly beard. 
All the while, Albert is kind of giggling while watching her, and Laura, like, zips off with the hair, and immediately the guy wakes up. Like, I'm sure, of course, right? You feel someone tugging on your beard if you got one, and cutting away with it, like, you're gonna probably feel that, even if you are, you know, passed out drunk. This guy is, like, touching, like, where, where'd my beard go? It feels lighter. So Clarence actually goes over to Bart's place, hands him some baby crocodile paper mache thing, and it's like, alright, how about my dollar? And of course, Bart's like, what dollar? I ain't gonna pay you no dollar. Poor Clarence! And he's like, what dollar? And Clarence is like, the dollar you promised me. And of course, Bart's like, I didn't promise you nothing. And Claire's like, you did. We made a deal. This poor kid. Like, dude, where's my dollar? Dude, I'm gonna punch you right in the dick. And now Bart's threatening, like, oh, what are you gonna do? Tell Miss Wilder? <laughs> I already got rid of her. Like, oh, you think you did, you little shit. Poor Clarence. My Harry Potter Clarence. I looked on IMDb. The kid who played Clarence, unfortunately, didn't do anything else after this. Alright, Laura and Albert are painting it, like, hey, does this look real, you think? And Laura's like, oh, a little bit. Poor Clarence, head hung down, walks over to Laura and Albert, like, Bart just, like, oh, he broke a deal. He was gonna give me a dollar for doing his homework, and then he's like, I don't owe you nothing. So I am in with whatever you guys are planning. Clarence goes over and uh, sits down on something, and right away they kind of notice like something's up with Clarence. And he admits to them, it's like, Bar Bartholomew promised me a dollar if I did his paper mache homework for him. And, you know, he didn't give me the dollar. And he says, Well, I was going to buy Ma a birthday present with that dollar. Oh, buddy. You want to know who he also reminds me of? Thomas J. from My Girl. Same wire-rimmed glasses, same shaggy hair. So, Albert uses this to his advantage. Like, I bet you'd like to get even with him, wouldn't you? Clarence is like, yeah, I sure would like to get back at him. But, how? And Albert's like, well, uh, Laura. <laughs> and Albert picks up the boulder. And takes it into the barn as Clarence follows. Like, he's going to kind of fill him in on what's going on. And Laura's, like, flipping the paintbrush that they were, Albert and she were using on the boulder. And she's flipping it in her hand, almost like you kind of would, like, if you had something long in your hand that you could pop throw in the air and, like, grab. I'm like, it's a paintbrush, though. Unless you're ho she's hoping, of course, to get the handle in, so... So this is Eliza Jane's last day teaching. Of course, Bart has got no qualms about still being disrespectful in her class as he's playing a harmonica. I would have made him swallow that being harmonica. So she's leaving tomorrow after the class projects are turned in and graded. And Bart's all, like, interrupting her, saying, I better get an A. My pa said I did a real good job on my project. But you didn't do shit, buddy. Fuck off. And Eliza Jane says, I will miss all of you very much. Or shall I, should I say, I will miss some of you. Yeah, she's sticking it to Bart. Like, it's your re- It's because of you I'm leaving, you piece of shit. So, so Eliza Jane goes a little further with this. As she says, I see no use in trying to teach in unteachable circumstances. 
So I will dismiss you all until tomorrow. So she even apologizes for herself, not just for herself, but for the school board, which allowed themselves to be bullied by a wealthy fool. And of course, that catches Bart's ear as he feels like, oh, are you uh, calling my dad a fool? He's like, you watch what you say about my paw. And Eliza Jane's got some confidence. She's like, how do you know I was talking about your father? Was it the word wealthy or the word fool? And the kids all laugh at him because he's a piece of shit. Even Clarence, who's sitting behind Bart, like, shoves him in the back like, <laughs> you dickhead. Laura and Albert are even getting in on all of them are. It's like, yes. So Albert, Laura, and Clarence are all walking on. And Albert keeps asking, like, is he back there? Is he following us yet? Because, you know, that's kind of the plan. We gotta, you know, get as long as he's following us, we can go on with this ruse to kind of bait the hook for this guy. Laura gives Albert soap chips. Of course, that's going to give him the impression of foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog. Basically, make him look like he's having a fit. I don't want to play this clip because it is kind of funny. <laughs> okay, take the soap chips. Put them in. Minnesota. Maybe not homegrown, but no one knows where Zrupa comes from. Maybe even Transylvania. Well, where's that? In Europe. The Balkan Mountains. They got whole packs of werewolves. Uh, I don't believe any of that stuff. Neither did I, plus I Albert. Then I brought Miss Wilder's book for my project. Here, read it for yourself. 
You believe this bull? I've seen him. You're a liar. I swear. War chains are in the barn when the moon's full. He'll be there tonight. If you're so brave, why don't you go and see? What for? Are you scared? No. I'll bet you a dollar you won't go. You got a bet. And if you don't pay me, I'll bust your face. So Barb comes up the hill, ready to throw down again with Albert slash Short, as he keeps calling him Shorty. And he's like, oh, I bet you think it's real funny what Miss Wilder said to me, huh? And of course, Laura's like, oh yeah, I thought it was real funny. He's like, I'm not talking to you, I'm, not, I'm talking to Shorty, I'm gonna get you, I told you I was gonna get you. He grabs... Albert's shoulder. Mind you, Albert's put in those soap chips. And he's like... <laughs> he's like, I told you I was gonna get you, and now's the time. And Laura's like, you sure picked a bad time to get him. <laughs> and Bart, ever the dum-dum, is like, what's the matter with him? <laughs> and Bart is just like, looks like he's throwing a fit. Duh. It's a big fucking duh head. You're a disgrace to blondes everywhere, Bart. So, Laura's like, never mind, just leave him alone. And she pulls Albert by the arm, like, come on, let's get out of here. I love how she says, easy boy, like she's trying to calm down a dog. And Clarence, of course, is like, if you get him mad, and Laura's like, yeah, he don't like you anyway. After what you did to Miss Wilder, making her cry. He loves her, he'd even die for her. It's like, Laura, please, you're a little heavy-handed there. And Clarence, of course, is like, or kill. And Bart's like, kill? What are we talking about? Fucking idiot! <laughs> Maybe he's got the rabies! Or hydrophobia, depending on where you're at or what time period. This is like 1800. Did they say rabies yet? Remember in Old Geller, they said hydrophobia. So Clarence is like, hey, you better take him home, Laura, fast, before he turns the... And... Laura cuts him off like, all right, Albert, come on, let's go. So after Laura takes Albert away, Bart is like, you know what's wrong with him, don't you, to Clarence. And then Clarence is like, no, I don't. You see, I can't tell you. It's and Bart grabs him by his overall front, says, you better tell me. So Clarence tells him it's a terrible secret of the Ingalls family. Explains how tonight's the full moon, and that, and the full moon that doesn't ring any bells to Bart, of course, because he's an idiot. And Clarence is like, "Well, remember what Miss Wilder was saying about the werewolves? Do you remember that?" And he tells Bart, "Albert turns into a werewolf uh, at the full moon." And Bart's like, "What are you trying to do? Pull my leg? Like, dude, you're a fucking moron. The fact that you even are." Like, what are you trying to- like, come on, you're a moron. So Clarence says, last month after the full moon, Albert the werewolf tried to kill me just for walking on the Ingalls property. Granted, Bart's like, there ain't no werewolves in Minnesota. I'm like, dude, you're a newbie. You lived in fucking Wisconsin. What the fuck do you know about Minnesota? Not a damn thing. I love how Clarence is like, maybe not homegrown. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> But then again, he brings up the fact that no one knows where Albert's real paw comes from. Maybe Transylvania. They got loads of packs of werewolves there. 
Of course, he doesn't know where Transylvania is. Apparently, it's in Europe, the Balkan Mountains. And Clarence brings out the werewolf book, tells Bart to read it. You'll get all your info on there, in there on werewolves. Bring you up to speed. And he even says, hey, you don't believe me? Go to the Ingalls place at the full moon and see for yourself. Because Albert will be there in the barn, chained up. So he doesn't go off and start killing people. Okay, so Caroline and Charles are going out to the Garveys for dinner. They're having, you know, they're ha- having a sesh. They're hanging out with their buddies. And Caroline's like, oh, I'll be ready in a sec, Charles. You just have to feed Grace her bottle. I saw Grace. She's like three years old. She's running around talking. She don't need no bottle. She can eat Solid foods at the at the dinner table. Why are you feeding a three-year-old a bottle? What is it, slop? You grind up the leftovers of dinner and just throw in some milk and pop it in a bottle? So Laura's like, look, Ma, I will take care of Grace. You know it's going to take longer than a couple minutes to feed her. You know how she is. Yeah, because she's fussing because she don't want a damn bottle. It's like, I eat solid food. What is this bottle bullshit? Alright, Charles and Caroline are out the door. So, Laura hands off the bottle to Grace. Or, <laughs> hands it off to Grace. Hands it off to Carrie. Says, you feed Grace. Apparently, it's a big fucking chore. Carrie said, but you said you would do it. And Laura's like, look, you want to stay up a half hour later tonight or not? Alright? Good. Carrie is so damn useless. Ay ay ay. Hey, eat your bottle, Grace. Drink your dinner. If you don't, I'll tell. She's like, oh, there's nobody here to tell. Like, no. Ugh. This kid, she, Grace keeps turning her face away. Like, yeah, she don't want a rubber nipple shoved into her mouth. That's just straight up milk. And that's her quote unquote dinner? What the hell? So in the barn, Elmer's hair slicked back. Like, really greasy. His face is just complete with the gross lice-filled beard that they cut off of that sleeping drunkard. And he's got black shoe polish, like, all over his face. And they also got some of these, like, metal chain cuff things with chains to appear like he's being chained up and everything. They were, uh, cutting them and banging on them and kind of make them easily breakable. So... Laura comes out, puts a board across the barn door so that way, you know, Elber can't get out, make it look like he could easily break out. And she looks, sees Clarence and Bart, like, she's like, what are you two doing there? What are you two doing here? And Bart's all like, we want to see Elbert. And Clarence is like, look, Laura, I warned him. I told him not to. Like, they're, you know, in Andrews, or she and Clarence. So, Clarence, seriously, I told you not to tell him. I was going to tell everybody else. This was an Ingalls family secret, and now you blabbed. Granted, Bart, of course, is like, I don't believe he's no werewolf. I'm like, then why the fuck are you here? You must have believed a smidge, otherwise you wouldn't be standing here wanting to see him. I'm going to play this clip, because this is just funny. (laughs) They get him good at first. And then, of course, you know who ruins it. Urgh. He made me. 
you sure you want to see him? Yeah. Dude, seriously. Yeah, I'm sure I want to see him. Okay. I've got him chained in the barn. But I'm not responsible if anything happens. connected to the wall and he starts breaking his chains and Bart is a little freaked out and then Albert just comes charging out of the barn knocks Bart over gets the paper mache rock lifts it over his head this thing is humongous who fucking ruins it fucking Carrie she, Mara and Grace won't eat and then she like you better come and help, because otherwise I'll tell Mom that you used all the glue on Albert's face. And then she says, Albert, what are you doing that with that paper mache, that paper rock? And you see Bart at first is like, 
rock? But before it, he's, like, most likely pissing and shitting himself. As Albert's got this rock, which Bart's an idiot, so he's thinking is real. Because it's a boulder. And Laura's, like, making him promise, like, you better be nice to Miss Wilder, apologize to her, straighten up and fly right, basically, in class. Behave. He's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do anything! And as soon as Carrie lets it slip about the paper rock, Bart is like, uh-huh. Okay. He gets up, takes the rock from Albert, and Albert, he's got, like, the fake, like, you know, pointed teeth in, in his mouth. He's, <laughs> can't, can't you take a joke? <laughs> And Bart grabs him, and you hear in quotations, thud. He gets hit in the face. I would be pissed. I'm like, this damn kid's coming out of my property, hurting my kids. That is an actionable offense. Like, definitely. Couldn't you do something? This kid's coming onto your property, beating up your kid. But was the next morning. The kids are going to school on the way there. And... Laura tell Paul that Albert had to go early because he had to get, you know, his boulder. And Carrie's like, I said I wouldn't tell. And Laura's like, yeah, well, you also said you weren't going to come out of the house last night either when we told you not to. And she's like, it wasn't my fault, Laura. Grace wouldn't eat her dinner. And Albert's like, look, it wasn't anybody's fault. It just didn't work out as he's holding that paper mache boulder. And he's got a hell of a shiner on his eye. And Albert's like, well, it was silly to try. And Laura's like, well, you know, at least you tried. I mean, nobody else did. So Albert's like, yeah, I guess. There's just not much a person can do by themselves, you know. And she's like, Laura's like, yeah, that's right. Nobody can do it alone, but together... She's cooking up a plan in that brain of hers. Like, yeah. There's nothing that one or two people can do. But. If you all gather together. Because he's been a torment to all those damn kids. I'm sure of it. Distracting in class. This and that. Threatening. All that shit. <laughs> Arnold. Or, what did I say, Arnold? <laughs> no, Albert's got that rock. And. Of course, Andy's kind of making jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> like, why don't you make something like a cast? I'd be like, a cast? Like what, for your arm or your leg? So, and prepare for when you break your leg? I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Laura heads up to the doorway of the schoolhouse church and rings the bell. It's like, we gotta get everyone together. And she's gonna give the speech about how it's Miss Wilder's last day. No, none of us want her to go. And we're all tired of Barth, Bart's shit. So let's gang up on his ass. See my brother's eye? Bartholomew Slater did that. And we're losing a good teacher because of the same Bartholomew. Ain't nothing anybody could do. He's too big. There isn't anything that any one can do. But there's plenty that all of us can do. All of us? 
come up there like show everybody your eye Albert see Bartholomew Slater did that to his eye and we're losing a good teacher because of the same Bartholomew well, Millie of course is like ain't nothing nobody can do he's too big and Laura's like yeah there isn't anything one person can do but all of us combined and they're all like all of us even Carrie it's like yeah Carrie even you I love how Laura says, this is our school. Us. The children. Like, we're taking it back. She tells them it's up to us to see that it's a good school where we can learn. And Laura says, if the school board can't do that, then we're just going to have to do it ourselves. <laughs> All the kids not in agreement. And Laura's like, here he comes now. Bart's riding with his father. And they stop in front of the mercantile... And his father's like, get to school, I promise your ma. So, Almanzo and Eliza Jane are kind of packing up um, a crate at the mercantile of stuff they need for their trip. I don't know where they're going. Uh, but Harriet, of course, is a rude-ass self. Like, is this it? Do you need anything else? Like, bitch. You're rude to your own, but some piece of shit newbie comes in and you're all like drop out, roll out the red carpet for his ass. So, and she puts it all in that wooden crate and says, you will be paying cash, won't you, to Eliza Jane and Almanzo. And Eliza Jane kind of looks at Almanzo like, oh, I'm nervous, this woman. And Almanzo kind of rolls his ass like, yes, we will be paying cash. Barb starts heading towards the schoolhouse and he's got that paper mache crocodile in his hand that Clarence made. Right away, you see a line of kids, like, spread out blocking the entrance to the school. And Bart is a little taken aback, like, what is this? Yeah, not so tough now, are you, asshole? Nice looking eye you got there, werewolf. Bartholomew, last night you made some promises, and I expect you to keep them. Oh, you do? Yeah. You're going to behave in school, and you're going to apologize to Miss Wilder. And who's going to make me? <laughs> yes! They all circle him. <laughs> You wanna yeah. go get him? Take him down. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> what is that oh noise? Like no, no, just let him be. They're giving him what for. <laughs> Look at him, they're all pulling. 
Excuse me? Yeah. Well, they're all just kids. Yep. Your boy's getting good, getting what he deserves. Beat the hell out of him. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Laura says, "Look, you made some promises last night that I intend for you to keep." And he's like, "Oh really?" She's like, "Yeah. You're gonna behave in class. You're gonna apologize to Miss Wilder." And he's like, "Yeah. Who's gonna make me?" All the kids circle him like that's the last thing you're ever gonna fucking say. Boom! Pile drive his ass! Knock him down to the ground! <laughs> so of course the commotion, you're in this like what is that noise? So um maybe it's Bart crying. Uh the commotion leads Elmanzo, Eliza Jane, and Mr. Slater out onto the front porch of the mercantile. And Eliza Jane's like, oh my goodness! And it's almost like she wants to go in there, but Almanzo's like, no, sis, just relax. Just let him. Slater's ready to like, they're baiting up on my boa! And Almanzo's like, look, you said grown-ups should let kids handle this? And kids being kids? They're all just kids. Let them get this out and straighten it. Let them handle it. And that guy's like, oh my god, they're gonna rip him apart! Like, they probably will, but he deserves it. So, let them do this. They're taking back their school. This is their time! Alright, looks like it worked out because Eliza Jane hang hung, uh, bleh, hangs up her jacket and she has got her... Teacher's primer ready to go. The kids are all still crowded around in the center aisle. And you don't see Bart's face just yet. But you will. just like to say I'm sorry for how bad I've been in class. <laughs> and I apologize and promise to be good as long as you'll stay on here as teacher. I don't know what to say. Yes. Say yes! Yes! Say yes! Oh, they're all like... <laughs> all right. Yes! Yes! <laughs> face is kind of messed up. He's definitely got a black eye and his hair's a little disheveled. But then you look at all the other kids like Laura and Albert. Their hair her hair normally in braids. It's still in braids but her hair is just all it's all over the place. But then all the other kids look really disheveled. They were all in a brawl. So Bart says look I will behave in class if you promise to stay on as teacher. And she's like I don't know what to say. And the kids are all like say yes. And she's like, yes! And they all crowd around her and it's like, oh, my heart! Oh, we never see Bart or his family again. They probably leave, which is just as well. I don't believe this transformation of him would last that long. But then again, he probably knows those 25 kids will kick his ass any day of the week if he gets out of line again. So that is the episode, guys. I just really enjoy this episode. It's so, it's just fun. It's 
gets my dander up, but I just, I really like it. And I hope you enjoyed this review as well. Have a great Halloween and be safe and have fun if you're going to go out. Goodbye.